Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Ilaria. And I'm Daphne. And today we are chatting with Rachel Blumenthal. She's the founder of Rockets of Awesome. Most recently, we'll talk about all of her other incredible companies um, that she's pioneered along the way also. But she, most importantly, is a dear friend and mother to two adorable kids. And she's here to talk about entrepreneurship. She, Both she and her husband are amazing entrepreneurs, how they foster that in their children, how they get over uh, any sort of need for type A personality, anxiety, control, and and how they have a lot of fun along the way. And I love her because she does seem, as you point out, she does seem so organized, but she also does feel her way through life. Like she's such an interesting, almost mathematical mind, but super artistic at the same time. Yeah. And it's really fun to watch her self-confidence and how she's bringing that into parenting and okay with being wrong, okay with losing uh, lots of diamonds. I don't want to say okay <laughs> with it, but like some, not not crying anymore. Yikes. And I probably would still be crying. Um, <laughs> But she's definitely a very uh, inspiring woman. It's always fun for me to see how creatives parent also. I think that's a really fun conversation about how you um, how you figure that out and figure your way through the world of parenting and through the world of business as a creative mind. And you'll also hear how her son set up a lemonade stand that earned him $600 in one day. We should join that business. Let's go work for him. We'll like stir the lemonade for him. Give us a cut. Silly mommy. We do want you to introduce yourself because no one does it better than our guests. Um, I'm Rachel Blumenthal. I'm the founder and CEO of Rockets of Awesome, which is a really, really cool kids apparel brand. Uh, so rocketsofawesome.com. And it's very, very accessibly priced. Everything's machine washable. So, um, And it shows up at your doorstep. It shows up at your doorstep. Uh, sizes 2 to 12. Um, so good for most age kids. You're also you're a mommy. I'm mom. So I have Gemma, who's almost four. Um, and she is like uh, the entertainer of the family. And Griffin is almost eight. He's in second grade. Um, and they are amazing. And they're both uh, skiers. So that feels like a great accomplishment. We're a big like skiing family. I love your ring. I have a good story about this ring. Oh, that's so cool because it's like a Grady one. Graduated. Oh, cool, Graduated. Cool, cool. Thank you. Um, this ring was my grandmother's that when they finally, she got married in like a band that looked like this. Mm -hmm. And when they finally got money, she got like the honker of the ring. Right. And for my 30th birthday, my parents gave it to me. And then after I had Gemma, I had like legitimate mom brain and I threw it out no! with my engagement ring. Oh. Both of them. Oh my God. This is a replica of the ring. They're, they're like no, gone. You lost it. No, they're oh like totally gone. Gosh. But you guys, it took me six months for my brain to return to know that Did I threw you, wait, it out. What was, oh no, so you didn't even know. I didn't even know. I guess that's better. No, no, it made me f***ing crazy. No, better, but it does make you crazy. And it also I makes know, you like, like second guess everything. everything. Oh, so you like you just were looking for it all the time. Looking. There was oh, there was no. Oh, I was thinking that you didn't even notice it was missing. And I was like, for, maybe that's so better. So for like two months, I wasn't looking for it, and then I started looking for it, and I couldn't find it. Oh, and in looking for it, I started cleaning, and I threw it out. 
And then, like, six months later, I remembered that I threw it out. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. And you're thinking, like, so it's just, like, sparkling somewhere. In, in like, the dump. That nobody will ever, like, no one will even get to enjoy it. Oh, I hope some, like, really diligent garbage collection man, like, <laughs> was, like you know like, what? I'm like, feeling about this particular years, bag. In 2000 years, some, like... Archaeologist. The culture of the culture of 2018 was very bizarre. They threw away, <laughs> they threw away hugely valuable diamonds for posterity. Banana peels. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that, that that story always, like on the one hand, eats me alive and like, makes me so anxious for you, and also gives me some solace because I did exact. I literally ate a bagel, had taken my earrings off to to clean them. I I clean I clean my stones with Windex. If anyone wants to know it, Does really, it, work? it works. Yeah, amazingly. No way. Yeah, that's non, a trick. Yeah, non foaming acetone is what jewelers use, or Windex with a toothbrush. It's like genius. But anyway, I took it off. I was letting them soak in the Windex for a second. I ate my bagel. I had one next to the other. They called us to go down to tape. I put them all together, crumpled in a ball, and threw them out. And I remember in the middle of the taping, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah, diamonds in the trash. Went trash diving. Thank goodness they hadn't collected it yet, found them. Oh, but wow. it was like, it made me feel not like such a crazy person that I had, in my haste to clean up after myself, just tossed away my I had earrings. this moment after I threw it out that... I was like, maybe I should do like something felt funny. Like, maybe I should just go like check that bag one more time. And then I was like, nah, nah, I'm too lazy. <laughs> like literally just too lazy. I just never did. Wow. Well, jewelry is actually a perfect place to get into conversation with. By the way, you guys, you are listening to the one and only Rachel Blumenthal here on Mom Brain today. Um, and part of what's so funny, and I want to get back to the whole mom brain conversation, in specific, the like loss of order and loss of of predictability of your life, because I think someone like you, Rachel, who is so used to order and organization, it really throws us for a double loop. But but you are someone who's been in business since you were. And when did you start, Rachel Lee? Like it's twenty three. Okay, so you're twenty three years old, and you start your first business, which is a jewelry line. <laughs> Tell everybody about that process and the ride of, of Rachel Lee. Um, well, I was working in fashion at Yves Saint Laurent and I was in, in this incredibly creative environment. It was the era of Tom Ford and like fashion was just like so booming and there's so much money and it was like really sexy and my role wasn't particularly creative. Um, and so I went to the bead stores on 6th Avenue and bought materials and made myself a ring. I like literally handmade myself a ring. Um, I was an economics and political science major, so I know nothing about jewelry <laughs> other than I like it. Um, and long story short, editors from Lucky Magazine, who I worked with at YSL, saw me and saw the ring and decided to feature me as a designer. Wow. And you know those, you know, when you're sort of like in that PR world, you know it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. And I was like, all right, this is fun. Like, I'll go along with it. And about a month later, Daily Candy called and they said, we're going to feature your brand. What's your website? And this was in 2003. So I had no website. I had like, I barely, I had no nothing. Um, and I called this guy that I hadn't seen since I was 13, um, who was in my bar mitzvah class. And I was like, I heard you like do websites. I didn't, like, didn't even know what I meant. Can you Did make your me mother a tell his mother that totally. you were like, 100%. A web she was like, you should call this guy. I was like, who? <laughs> That's awesome. So anyway, long story short, landing page. My website is a landing page, a photo, and an email address. And that's it. 
Very chic. Very Minimalist. chic. Minimalist. <laughs> it was bare bones. <laughs> Couldn't even, like, collect money on this thing. And Daily Candy hit. This was in 2003. It was, like, the only game in town, if you remember. Um, and overnight, buyers and editors and customers wanted this brand that literally didn't exist. I had, like, handmade a couple more things for the photo shoot. And um, Shoppa picked me up as, like, one of their first jewelry designers. And I started doing trunk shows at Henry Bendel. And... I don't know. I was like, this is, I'm like onto something. I had no idea what. And um, I was dating my now husband at the time, who's like the risk taker in the relationship. And he was like, this is amazing. Like, you're going to build a business and like, you should do this. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I work at YSL. I've got my thing going. I like it. And he was like, no, no, you've got to do this. Um, And so he like really pushed me to quit my job. Um, I set up shop in my living room. I figured I'd go back in six months when it didn't work. And I taught myself everything about building a business. I took what I knew from PR and applied it to sales. Um, I was the manufacturer. I was the messenger. I was like the everything. Um, And I built that company over the course of eight years. Uh, We were in about 500 retailers worldwide. We did private label for American Eagle, Target, and J.Crew. and it was such a wild, wild journey. And it was the the perfect example of like what a baby steps business means. You know, it really started out with something that was in my comfort zone. I had $100. I went to the bead store. I made the jewelry. I sold it for $1,000. And I had more money to go buy more materials. You know, I didn't have to invest big amounts of money and inventory. Um, I didn't really even have to have a website at the time. So it was very sort of like low barrier entry, like low risk. Um, But I really sort of taught myself over time and um, got it to a place of a comfort zone where I was like willing to take bigger risks. I was willing to hire a team. Um, I was willing to sort of expand distribution. Um, And then I hit a point where I felt like I wasn't learning anymore. I really felt like I needed to be challenged, um, which is when I decided to exit the company. I sold it about seven years ago. Now, were you always sort of handicrafty, artsy growing up? Yes. I'm like really good with my hands. Mm -hmm. I could like make anything, though I can't cook for my life. So I have a lot to learn from you, too. Um, I feel like if you can make jewelry, though, I feel like we could get some solid, you know, pasta bolognese out of you. Me? I mean, (laughs) you'd be pushing it. I would try, though. Uh, Really good with my hands. That's so interesting. And so do you bring that into your parenting? Like, do you do art projects with your kids and stuff like that? Or are you just kind of letting them be them? I don't do it as much as I probably would have thought I would. Um, I think to your point, like life is so chaotic that um, I'm not as sort of like organized or well-structured or well-planned a parent as I would like to be. Like I have a lot of guilt over it. Um, But then part of me says that maybe that's like helping to build their independence and their ability to be creative and Kind of figure out their own thing. Of course. I just got um, origami and lanyard oh for my, Carmen. Why? Oh, why? <laughs> lanyard. <laughs> lanyard. It is amazing. No, lanyard's sure, amazing, I but origami she... is actual hell. Because really? You... I'm so much better the origami than the oh, lanyard. But, but if you're sitting there doing it with her, it's not like you can be like, here, kid, here's a diagram. <laughs> Start folding. Make me 12. Make me a thousand cranes. <laughs> no, but she like comes up with her own thing, whereas the lanyard, like you have to start it, and then you have to, I'm like watching YouTube clips Oh, no, I love lanyard. I like that. Oh, that yeah. takes me right back to Ramakoi Summer Camp. New Jersey. Wait, like, that's where Griffin circa. goes. Wait, no, you're kidding me. 
Oh. And that's where he picked it up this summer. It's a thing because you have thing. this long yes. schlep in the bus and that you can t- they had metal rods behind the co- behind the seats so you could you like could just do you it. You could tie it to the base of it. The only issue was then how do you get it off without cutting it and the whole thing but you, I, I got the box <laughs> stitched down. I got oh, yeah. the whole well, so that's what I tried to start with the other day because I got this book that was like, I don't know why I decided to get a book in like the age of YouTube, but I got this book and it was like the easiest thing to do. It was like this box thing and it's not easy. Not easy for she's five. Not easy. So we decided we start with braiding. Braiding. Solid. We went to yeah, braiding. Yeah, for five-year-old. That's hard. Was, yeah, we're still not very good at it. Filming up, filming up <laughs> um, air quote, braids my hair, which just involves Twisting, sort of right? like twist, pulling, yes. a lot Nots. of pulling. Lots and of like the Nots. nodding. <laughs> yes. But she loves it. She's it really, and then as many bows as possible. We are, this whole JoJo Siwa thing yes. has come big into gigantic, our house all gigantic of a sudden. Bows. Yeah, it's weird. Okay, so how'd she learn about JoJo? So we have an older cousin who lives in LA who's very cool. Oh, okay. She's seven and it's like a big deal. You know, whatever Gracie thinks is cool. Um, and and jo- Gracie knew about JoJo. She went to a JoJo concert for her birthday and she had the big bows and the, you know, glitter backpacks and whatever else. And also Target. Like Target just sells me all the JoJo stuff. Um, anyway, but what I think is actually interesting about it is the way that that, that culture pollinates and like then they have, they, they, they it does in some ways, I find that it actually has been interesting. So Philomena, my oldest, is super creative. Like she, we, we took our like garbage staging area. Don't tell her. It's like a little, you know, concrete area right by, by the back door and made it her art room. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great because nothing can stain. You know, you would just mop up any paint that spills around. But she's back there. If I don't, I won't hear her for hours. And she'll be back there making these huge, elaborate paintings and color, cutting things out. Like she has these very, That's very. That's the difference between boys and girls. Yes. yes, you can never do that with a boy. No, no. no I, I like bad. when I had. Je- I like couldn't get over the fact that you could just put her there, and, and she could stay. talk to her dolls <laughs> for like hours. Yes, and like dress them and like pretend play and like the whole thing like boys don't do that no 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 if it gets too quiet you worry yeah <laughs> a lot yeah especially with as many boys as I have yeah. it's like it's bad it's a bloodbath literally <laughs> um, but I do like back to our point about letting kids have their own creative moments and not overstructuring it and I'm, this was a very circuitous uh, ap- apropos of mom brain way of getting here I, I do think that on the one hand I look at you know these, some of these Instagram moms that I follow that have these wonderful projects set up for their kids and every time it rains they're like out you know they have a craft closet and they come out with these most amazing projects and I want so desperately to be that person and then at the same time we get to a rainy day and I'm like let's get in the car. I'm also like afraid of clutter. Yeah, that too. Which is I forget what I which have. Which is why then. Neil actually blames me for throwing out my ring because he's like, you always like throw you literally throw everything out. But like I'm so afraid of like the mess everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just like I have to let it go. Because, like, they need a place to make a mess. I do think that allowing them, and even, you know, we tried, we did a big uh, cleanse of a lot of their toys this weekend to donate and to give away. And and um, and part of it was to open space for there to be creativity. But part of it was also just them rediscovering stuff that they had played with for many months and then forgotten about and come back, like, they come totally, back to it. Yeah. So I do think that leaving kids with that open space is actually really important and not trying to overstructure it and overplan it. Um, but at the same time, I think that you end up with uh, you you ultimately have children, I think, that are here in part for you to learn from as much as for you to teach them things. A hundred. I have like I so I had this like epiphany recently, which was that 
your, our kids are actually this like amazing, um, they're almost like a great excuse for us to let go and for us to follow their lead and just like be in the moment with them. Like it almost gives us permission as adults to like not have to be the adult, like not have to be the parent, not have to say like, don't touch that or don't stand on that or don't do that or like. I don't know. Like, if you want to, like, stand at the dinner table while you eat dinner. It's okay. Yeah. I'm like, what's, like, they're not going to go to college standing on their chair at dinner, right? Right. But a lot of people don't parent in that way. And and you know what? There's there's pros and cons to each one. You know what I mean? Teaching a kid good table manners and stuff like that. There's there's definitely arguments for doing that. You were really big on that that. growing up, I feel Table manners. Yeah. yeah. You have to know exactly where the fork and the knife is and everything. And, you know, have one hand on your your lap. And and then for me, you see how I'm sitting right now. For those of you who can't, because this is a podcast, I always curl my legs up on underneath me I used to get in a lot of trouble for that um, and you know but uh, in other ways I was very good at like my parents would just like let me do like go do flips and stuff like that because I've always been a kind of a monkey but it's interesting watching your kids do that and allowing not teaching them fear like my kids are just like me they want to climb up on everything and it's a little bit dangerous and I have to like take a deep breath and be like are you comfortable with what you're doing are you aware <laughs> of what's going on but, um, but you know, I mean, it's, yeah, you gotta, it's finding that line of like letting them be kids, but then also having them respect what, you know, yeah. growing up it's and a, learning It's right a from really wrong. challenging line, but there's something, I, I think I realized also because like, you know, our lives are so intense, right? Like we're working really intensely mm-hmm. and we have so many demands and then we have, you know, these children that we, you know, want to, want to sort of like give the best of ourselves yeah. to. But there's moments where like you just have like nothing to give and like you don't even have the energy to like be the mom and like tell them what to do and like, you know, be strict and the whole thing. And I realize in those moments that I'm just like, yeah, like let's eat dessert on the kitchen floor. Like who cares, you know? And it's, like, called picky, it's called picking your battles. And the best yeah. thing about the line that you're talking about is being, you know, the mother, the father, is that you get to decide what that line is. And it's not anyone else's line. And you kind of have, you have to sit with yourself at the end of the day and be like, hey, did that feel like a good choice? And you really get to say, hey, you know what? When my, when we all look back, this is what I want it to be. I totally understand what you're saying about like at the end of the day, you're like, I just don't have the energy. They'll all come to me and be like, this one did this and this one did this and this one did this. And I'm like, um, can we just be nice? Yeah. <laughs> like I can't even like sort it out now. Just be nice. No hurting each other. Smiles, laughing, everything and go. How do you feel about that line being fungible, though, that it can change, that it can be different from day to day? Because I feel like John and I just had this conversation because Philomena just turned five and she is in that huge testing phase. Mm-hmm. Everything is questioned. Everything is pushback. And everything is like just, be, you know, she's just trying to figure out where the breaking point is and what she can get away with, even if she knows that we've already said no or we've already this is like part of our, you know, we don't do this or whatever. And I said to him, I think that part of where that comes from is because it's not always clear why something one thing is allowed and other things are not or why today it's OK. But to, so some some days we let them do backwards dinner where, we, where honestly, it's for me. I want them to have ice cream earlier in the afternoon so they're not like hyped up on sugar, insane people by the time I'm trying to put them to bed. So we have dessert first and then they have dinner later and they don't understand why that can't be every day or, um, you know, why I don't They're just there. There are a bunch of things. Why is that? Why some things on some days are allowed and other things on others are not. And if you're parent is supposed to be this sort of arbiter of everything, but the rules are changeable and the rules aren't always static. 
I guess it's confusing for them. But at the same time, we are human, too. And there's some days where I'm much more patient and like willing to just negotiate or be a part of explain the process of thinking. And sometimes I just like need her to follow directions. Carmen will do the same thing where she'll ask again and again and again and again and again. And she she knows she'll even say to me, Mommy, I know if I say it enough times, you're probably going to change your mind. And I'm like, now you (laughs) just lost it, lost it, lost it. Or she'll say. Well, you know, you said yesterday was a special day and I could have an extra special treat or something like that. So why aren't you doing that today? And I said, Carmen, that was the special day. And I'm going to stop giving you those special days if you're not going to understand that that's the time to do it. And then I explained, I sit down and explain to her, look, there's times when we can do something really great. And then there's times when we're going to do it most of the time in our more structured way. Um, and you know what? You're going to have to get to the point. You can always ask me why, but you're going to have to get to the point where you say, okay, mommy, I understand. I'll always explain it to you, but you're going to have to stop because if you ask me for like 10 minutes in a row, it's going to make me feel like not giving it to you the next time around. And I think that you can explain that to them. And I think that they can get to the point for the point over time where they're mature enough to be able to receive that information. And I think it's important for them to, with their negotiation skills, I always look at, you know, especially Carmen, cause she's older. Um, but I always think like, what are, are the things that drive me crazy now that are going to serve her when she's 25 years mm-hmm, old? And mm-hmm. I don't want to break her. Yeah. I totally respect I the totally negotiation. I ha- I'm like, you way. go, you be like the best little negotiator possible. Right. You cause like, for what you that's going to be really and good skill for you. Yeah. And let them win and then point it out to them. And don't look at it as a defeat for you. But then at the same time, sometimes you just got to listen to mommy and you got to say, okay, mommy, that's fine with me. Okay, so you you exited um, the uh, Rachel Lee La- uh, seven years ago and you... you- conveniently neglected to mention that you were also one of Oprah's favorite things, which was a huge deal. It was crazy. (laughs) It was so crazy. And I was sick with the flu when it happened. And I like missed the first phone call. (laughs) So Oprah called again. (laughs) And I like was having a heart attack that I missed the first phone call. Um, But yeah, it was Oprah's favorite, one of Oprah's favorite things, which was incredibly cool. The coolest thing actually was that um, at the time, uh, we were living, we were half, half living in New York, half living in Philadelphia because Neil was in business school at Wharton. And I was working from Philly that day and I always would watch Oprah. And so I had Oprah in the background and I'm doing my work and I'm listening to Oprah and James Taylor is on the show that day and her and Gail walk out and they're both wearing my jewelry and James Taylor starts playing Fire and Rain and Fire and Rain was a song that Neil and I listened to the night that he convinced me to leave my job and do this business. It was the craziest thing. I just started like bawling like, hysterically. And I was like, this is a sign. <laughs> it was crazy. I love, I love um, when there are those little magical moments that the universe gives you of just affirmation that you're on the right path or affirmation that taking the risk was the right choice or just that that there's like those little synchronous moments that make sense to only you, you know, that, yeah, that, that yeah, totally. I love that. Yeah. And so you, la- so this is something else that I think is really interesting. Both you and Neil have pursued extremely entrepreneurial paths. You know, he's starting Rory Parker, you moving on from jewelry into first cricket circle, which to my mind was like one of the first mom sourced mommy blogs, like, 
it was it was meant to be a New York a New York mother's guide to living your best motherhood. I think if I'm summarizing it. Yeah, it was it was meant to be like um, the cliff notes of what to buy when you have a baby. Um, this idea that, you know, we all received all these crazy lists. And as a first time mom, you have such anxiety that like if you buy the wrong bib or the wrong sippy cup, like your kids aren't going to college. <laughs> and you're like, you know, obsessing and like you're like sweating in the aisle of Bye Bye Baby. And if you looked at cohorts of moms anywhere, they all bought the exact same things. Right. Because it was oriented around how they lived, how they traveled, what their lifestyle was. And so I was like, God, like if we can create a really simple algorithm that could help people and say, like, these are the only three strollers for you that you should consider and create content that would tell you, like, what the hell is a telescoping handle? And like, why does it matter to me? Right. Um, then we could really be like an incredibly trusted resource. And so um, we built that content channel and we built that as a resource and had such incredible feedback and, you know, really became people's like lifeline for what to buy when they have a baby. And it was also during that period of time where it was acceptable to raise venture capital when you had no idea how you were going to monetize your business. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so all through the business, we had this like insane engagement where people just like anything we put down, they were picking up and like whatever we recommended they were buying. But we couldn't figure out like how we were going to actually like make money to run a business. And we kept listening to the feedback we were receiving, which was that um, this was so valuable when I was a new parent. And I didn't know what to buy. But now that I have more confidence, what's actually frustrating is that every season I'm replacing a full dresser of clothes. Mm -hmm. And it's time consuming and it's frustrating and it's like the least gratifying thing on the planet. And it's really hard to find cool clothes that aren't expensive. Right. And we were like, okay, now that's something. That's like something we could actually build a business around. And so we actually went to retail and bought product and started testing it. We tested 300 customers out of my living room. Um, back to Pathelco, comes back to the living room. Um, and we're like, is this going, is this can actually be something? Um, but really grounded again in, in the data. And so this was grounded in much more sophisticated data of getting to know the customer, the kids' preferences, the parents' preferences, and the idea of could we actually do your shopping for you every season and make it really easy. Um, it was really, really important to me that we were designing and manufacturing our own product um, because I just didn't feel like there was a really great product in the market that both the parents and the kids liked. And um, we wanted to just like, you know, very much playing off of the vision of Cricket Circle, which was we just want to make your life easier. Like the only thing we want to do is make your life easier make you feel like a good mom, like validate that you're like you're doing an awesome job and anything that we could do to sort of like simplify that along the way. Mm -hmm. um, and that was that was the vision for Rockets. And so we launched Rockets of Awesome about two and a half years ago, thanks to this amazing community that like really gave us the information and the direction to be able to do it. So given that that given that you and Neil have both taken this entrepreneurial path, do you find that with your kids, you see it budding? Do you try to foster in some ways? Are they like running the world's best lemonade stand every <laughs> summer? You know? Well, it's so funny. Like you feel like you give your kids everything, but for some reason, like all my all girlfriend ever wants is money. He's like, I need money. And I'm like, okay, like, what are you going to do with this money? So he's very motivated by money. And, um, you know, like every good family, we set him up with a lemonade stand. Um, but as entrepreneurs, we had to teach him what it meant to run a business. 
And so he learned all about his cost of goods. Mm-hmm. Which cogs. Good old cogs. cogs. Um, and so we went and we bought all the materials. We saved all the receipts. Um, he sold his lemonade and his cookies. And then we totaled how much he made his revenue. Um, and we taught him about his cost of goods. We totaled all the receipts. We deducted the cost of goods. And that was his profit. And he wasn't very happy about it. Um, but but then the second time he did the lemonade stand, we did it again. And he was like, but mom, I already paid my cost of goods last time. And I was like, I know, but you had more cost of goods because mm-hmm. you had to buy more lemonade this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's learning. Um, and, you know, I think, it, I think it is really important for them to understand sort of like, you know, you don't just like make money out of nothing. Right, like, where money actually, comes from. Actually, like money goes into something um, to make money. But um, it's fun for them to really be like they come to our offices all the time. Griffin, again, very motivated by money. He's learning how to code. He's very into coding and robotics. Um, and so he told me that he could come and work for me on our engineering team and he could help build the website. And so I had to sort of like gently help him understand that maybe his coding skills weren't there yet to be paid <laughs> to build our website. <laughs> but he's very motivated but to do that. But in two years, he will be there. <laughs> For sure. 100%. <laughs> um, and then our babysitter took it one step further, and she put him right on Fifth Avenue for the lemonade stand. That is the place to be. Solid. He meets $600 in one day. Wow. I'm sorry, what? He was out there for three and a half hours. Six hundred dollars. <laughs> how much? How much was he selling each glass of lemonade? It, it just shows you if you're going to open retail, you got to be on the it's, avenue. It's Fifth Avenue. It's twenty dollars a cup. Location, location. <laughs> Can't be on a side street. That's fascinating. Wow, did Griffin found the next? You know, it's it's I I I maybe it's just New Yorkers, but I do think that. I do think that it's to your point, there's no original idea in this universe, but there is original execution and there is there is cornering a market or like figuring out a different Maybe there's a special maybe there's a special way of talking about it or, you know, I don't can imagine him doing his little shtick of like, well, he had a whole he had his like social mission and LM element also, which we know is important to consumers now. Um, And so he was giving. 50% 50% of his proceeds to a child's hospital. I love that. So I think that also helped drive the revenue of that lemonade stand. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Good job. So he learned well to give back also. <laughs> well, we're big fans of Rockets, Rockets of Awesome in our house. They have like the cutest, that. cutest, cutest <laughs> stuff. They do. And all machine washable, which to me as a parent of toddlers is like there's plenty of and I will never forget, especially with my first people, very kind, generous people would give me beautiful layettes and children's clothing made with, you know, mother of pearl buttons and like 40 of <laughs> cashmere. Them. Like cashmere. Oh, my God. When anything comes with buttons, especially at the especially when you have to change their diaper. I'm like, how much do you hate? Me? I literally was like, how much how much do you hate me that every time I change a diaper, I have to undo 12 mother. Of have pearl you tried buttons. the ones with magnets? Yes, they're no, amazing. No, it used to be called yes. Magnificent Baby. They just renamed it. Okay, I don't know. They're like cute. I've God's never heard of that. To That's mothers, interesting. I wonder. I've never. I've never. Even it just heard like of that. in the middle of the night, just goes like this. Yep. No, it's amazing. 
It's amazing. <laughs> well, that's why I moved to gowns. All of my children, yeah, boy and girl, good. wear gowns. Or, you know what? <laughs> naked like, is okay, too. Just the diaper. Solid. I mean, why do they um, need pajamas all the time? But the but the machine washable piece is a huge one because who wants to... First of all, you don't want the chemicals next to your baby's skin, but you don't want to have to dry clean baby clothes and you don't have to hand wash baby clothes and your life is important and should go on as well. And totally. I think I think your, your point about making life easier for parents and for children and wanting parents to feel good in their choices and um, and and happy in those choices, I think is is such an important creed for a, a company geared towards that group, um, and that they can still be stylish and so like Philomena lives in her shiny jacket. She loves her like tulle skirts and everything, and the fact that it's all um, you know like I don't care if she gets her paint you know masterpiece all over it because it just goes in the wash. Um, but I think it's funny that uh, I think it's funny that you for having been such a serial entrepreneur that there's still, well, first of all, that it, se- it seems like this third transition or the one into Rockets of Awesome was really um, the most obvious path, maybe, as in like you really listened to your customer and you had something to go on there, but it's still risk-taking. And you seem like someone who really loves to plan and you want to you know, make sure you've researched the answer. And there isn't the obvious answer when you're going into this you know, sort of great unknown. So how do you get over that hurdle and <laughs> move it's into so it It's so interesting. Happily? I mean, if you had asked me, you know, coming out of college, I would have been like, I'm going to go work for a company. I'm going to climb the ladder. I'm going to go to business school and I'm going to like, you know, be the president or CEO of that company someday. And I was the most risk adverse human you had ever met. And like everything was planned and I was like always early and everything was like super perfect. And I don't know if it's my husband um, who is like the risk taker and always <laughs> late and like, don't worry, it'll all work out. Or if it's being in this world of entrepreneurship where nothing ever goes the way that you plan. But I've been like completely broken down. And I'm a totally different person than I was like 15 years ago, mm-hmm. which is so weird to look back on. And I don't I don't exactly know when it happened. Um, but I think because it's constantly changing, because you can put sort of like your best foot forward and your best vision forward. But at the end of the day, it never ha- the path is never what you expect it to be. And so I think I had to sort of teach myself to be OK with the unknown and with change and with failure. Um And more than anything, I think that it's about having a vision, having a passion and being so deeply obsessed that like nothing can get in your way. Like nothing, like anyone who says no, anyone who says like it can't be done. I'm like, get out of my way because I'm going there and I might take some bumps along the way, but I'm going to get there, you know? Let me ask you that because that's something I think it. I Reagan, think, Reagan Moya Jones, remember she was. Remember she said, "I don't tell anyone when I have my idea." So that's my point. Yeah, a couple entrepreneurs we've had on the show and and that I've read about have always said like, especially when it's a deeply personal and creative idea, I don't tell anyone about it until it's already too far gone to change my mind. Do you talk about your ideas early on? I think it's a big mistake not to. And and it's interesting. It's interesting for her to say because it's so personal. I think most entrepreneurs don't share because they're afraid someone's going to take their idea. And the reality is like there's no original idea in this world. Right. Right. It's it's about the execution. Mm-hmm. And I found that it's the people that you least expect to give you really good advice or to poke holes in things that you wouldn't have expected. And I think it's really important to have such a strong point of view that you're like, Like, this is my vision, and I'm going to listen, and I'm going to, like, sort of know how to filter the feedback. But the feedback's really important because you start to be just talking to yourself, and you're operating in your own bubble. And 
that's never you have productive. to have a little bit of perspective you start to lack the perspective to. yeah that's, that's very bold of you i love that it's very are very you the bold. same in parenting do you take a lot of advice in, or did you ask for a lot of advice in parenting no none <laughs> <laughs> but not because i knew how to do it again like i was so afraid to project my like type a onto my kids that i never read a book i never took a class I never asked how you do things because I really wanted to follow their lead. Right. And I really wanted to, like, live this life through them. Um, And I'm sure I would have, like, done things more efficiently or, like, you know, I'm sure I could be doing them much better than I am. But, like, it just felt right for us. Um, And, you know, I think it's fun to, like, hear. You'll hear, like, you know, we're always talking about, like, how we do things for our kids or in our lives. And I'm like... Oh, so like that's how you were supposed to do it. <laughs> and then like, you know, eight years later I'll start doing it the right way. <laughs> but but your kids survived. Yeah, they they were and okay. thrived. You, you think best you, kids ever. You completely made it through. You know what? I, I think a lot of it comes back to what it sounds like is that you married your yin yang marriage. And within your marriage, it sounds like you have two very different styles. And Area. you guys I mean, Alec and I are so different. Like I don't think you can find like two more different people and put them together and I think that that kind of helps us go through it with it and it, I and think I think so. that yeah. when you have that you're constantly you're living your process but you're seeing something completely different all the time yeah well it yeah, also it's... I think different parts of childhood require different responses right so you're gonna have some parts of uh, some ages and some challenges that need the like we're just gonna go with this we're gonna let them lead we're let the kids lead we're gonna you know, follow along with what they need. Um, we're going to be really fun and silly and playful and not plan it and whatever. And then there's some parts of childhood where like someone really needs to step in with some order and some structure and lay down the law, right? <laughs> so it's, so I think that's actually nice to have people who who in their own lives thrive through different. Th- My John is so. I mean, he's such a planner. He's got lists for everything and everything gets crossed off the list. And like, he, you know, he signs every email, like, you know, kind regards. And like, it's a whole thing, you know, and, and, it, and I envy him so much because at the end of the night, whether, and it's not to say that he gets everything done perfectly all day, every day. Most days he does, but, but he, um, he goes to bed at night or he like signs off. And even though he's never really off the line, he 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 enjoys his free time. He enjoys the kids. He enjoys like our time as a family guilt free because like he's structured his life so that he feels like in every possible category, he is maximizing his moment there where I'm like trying to do seven things at once. I'm like answering emails and writing thank you notes and like trying to like organize for the kids and cook something. And like it's just scattered and everything always feels very sort of um, like it's coming apart. But at the you're seams. a lot of fun, Daphne. But I'm super you're fun. You're so fun. <laughs> You're like, you walk into the room and we're like, wow, what is this? We're in 700 different places. So fun. And we also have like 45 jobs. A lot of jobs. Nobody talks about that, right? Like I have the best husband on the planet and like such a good partner to me. But like. He does one thing. Yeah. No, he's on a conference like, call and he's on a conference he call. He does his you're job. You're in a conference call and you're like changing a diaper. And yeah. Make, you know. He does his job and like I do like the house, the kids, the job, the like the 55 things, yeah. you know, like it's just, I don't know. And it, it works for us, but like it's a lot to figure out how to balance. Yeah. 
No, I, I, I think that's part of it, too, is uh, I think our to-do list, there are numerous of them, and they keep being added to, and lots of people can add to them. It's not just what's going on in your one specific professional obligation. What is that like, though? You know, you, um, you have Griffin, your son, and, and my, my, my favorite, your, <laughs> your, your, your five-year-old princess. Um, is she five? Not, no, four. Gemma, she's almost she'll be four. Almost four. Um, and they obviously are at ages where they still require a lot of parental oversight and a lot of guidance. And you and Neil are, are both running businesses. How do you juggle that? How do you make sense of that? How do you find time for each other? Like, what does that end up looking like in your life? I, I actually find that the older they get, the more they need you emotionally. Right. When they're little, they like really need you physically to like feed them and change them and all those things. But Griffin, he's eight, he's in second grade. And it's like, you know, I found I found like first and second grade to be like really emotionally um, like challenging times of like hmm. so much change. They're learning to read and write and it's getting, you know, more complex. And it was just that moment where I was like, I need to be here more. Like I could, you could just like feel it in your kid. Um, and so, you know, Neil and I tend to go out like almost every night of the week and I made a real effort this year of saying, like, I'm only going out one or two nights max, but I'm home every single night to do homework with him. And it's really, really important to me um, because, like, he just, like, needs that support right now. Mm-hmm. And and I've seen sort of the ebbs and flows of it being hard for him and then easy for him. But just, like, knowing that I'm there, even if I'm not doing anything, I'm just, like, sitting there. I think that that, like, emotional support is really helpful for him. That's and super it, like, interesting. And it, makes me feel like, I'm like proud of myself for not being selfish this year because I tend to be like pretty selfish. And so I'm like, good job. Like, you're so selfish. <laughs> See, we're all growing. We're all being parents. Your homework is my homework. Yeah, totally. We spelled the cat ran across the Isn't street. Isn't that funny? You graduate and you're like, I will never have to go to school again. I'm free of homework forever. And then it's like, no, you're just. Oh my God. Back and we're in geometry and I oh, did gosh. not remember. I'm like Googling you're like what a rhombus is. Second grade? Yeah. Oh, no. A rhombus. Do you know what a rhombus is? I I think it's two two parallel equilateral sides. Okay, you're just like a goody two shoes. Is that real? Yeah, she's right. Am I right? Yes. (laughs) Wow. I Googled it. (laughs) Literally, geometry is probably my worst. I'm not a spatial person. I can't like... I don't, I, my brain doesn't function that way. I, I need physical things to be able to visualize. Um, but I think that's interesting too. It's just being able to be aware of of their, the, there are different points in your children's lives where they'll need different levels of attention from you and different, different, phys, different physical and emotional output from you. Yeah. And being able to be flexible to that, I think is really important. But also, we had this conversation on, on, on a recent episode about letting your kids struggle with Dr. Tova Klein, actually, and about this idea that parents have been fed this myth that it's our job to make our kids happy. And not that what you're doing with Griffin is, quote, unquote, making him happy. That's obviously like helping him succeed and helping him feel good about his performance and and make sense of everything. But um, but this idea that like that that. As a parent, you want your kids to be happy, of course. But part of being happy is struggling and having success through that struggle. Totally, yeah. Um, so, have you seen that with with either Griffin or or Gemma now? Or? Well, it's interesting. Griffin's like starting to have some of those like 
tension relationships at school Ooh. where he'll come home and I'll be like, this kid or that kid. Oh, how do you deal hardest. with that? Do you want to go lay some people out at the playground? <laughs> well, sometimes I, I'm like, I think I'm too low key about it because I'll be like, all right, like you're probably just like complaining and I don't do anything about it. And then like once you start to hear about it, like the fourth or fifth time, you're like, OK, something's going on. Um, but yeah, this this sort of like idea of like teaching them to kind of like one, suffer through it, but giving them the tools to also problem solve solve and feel like they can take control of it. Um, And I I try not to sort of like involve the parent. I did have to involve the parent this time. And and thankfully, it was like a really nice sort of like, let's figure this out together. Um, But like, I'm also like, he's probably just as much as difficult as this other kid is, you know? And so like, just wanting to have awareness of it, but helping him sort of navigate it, I think was almost more important. That's the other thing. Like, I just want to bottle up the confidence. Like, ha- that's a whole other conversation. Like, how do you preserve the confidence? Confidence of these kids is just like so magical. That's a really quick sidetrack there. That's something that uh, an educator friend of ours was talking about. There, There's this whole focus in education now about non-cognitive skills, things like creativity, perseverance, confidence, things that kids are born with. You can't necessarily teach it to them, but you can squash it out of them. And how are you in schools and also at home fostering the development of those traits? Because They'll serve them so her. Oh she, I would watch Gemma TV all day long. It is just she's she's like engaging and confident and zany and funny and so sweet and just like you can tell that that is. But she's like a hot mess. I mean, yeah, she's got like <laughs> lipstick on yeah, her she's eyelids. Like, <laughs> Griffin calls her drunk uncle. <laughs> like she's like the hottest mess ever, and she's so confident. Drunk uncle. <laughs> she's going to be so much fun in college. I oh can't wait. <laughs> yeah. um, I actually feel like. As adults, the things that the the gaps that we most of us have are in are in our emotional skill sets, are in our ability to put ourselves in someone else's shoes or interpret a situation not so not so personally, but more like holistically of what was going on or to have the negotiation skills to be able to go to someone and and reason with them or go or, you know, to have a conversation talk to someone you don't necessarily like or you think has been mean to you and try to resolve it. And I think that is that is a thousand percent the strength that I think kids need to have or need to be taught early on or or have fostered in them early on so that they grow from there. Because to your point, if you just if you let them feel injured and then you don't give them a way to like resolve from there or you like do it for them, or do it for them. I know. And it's hard. It's like and you don't have complete visibility as right. to what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Right. And so. I think because I I try to like downplay it or like not make it as like catastrophic as it is or might be. And I try to give the tools. Then I'm like, God, what happens like when it's like really bad and I don't know. And you want them to talk to you. So you don't make like a huge deal out of everything. But you also don't want to belittle all these things that are in their minds. So such Such a big big deal. deal. Right. Like I remember growing up, like when you came home and you told your mom, like, you know, Jessica and I are best or like we don't we're not best friends anymore. And like, I don't like her. Like my mom, like still hates her to this day. (laughs) You know, and so I have to figure out how to like not do that with my kids so that they talk to you. That's so funny. But isn't that interesting how we like go the opposite of what we experience because you're like still traumatized by that? Totally. I think the most important thing is that our kids feel that they're listened to, that they're taken seriously, but then we have to bring, so like I do that. 
listen, I'm listening to you. I'm taking you seriously. Now let's walk through it and let's try to understand it from everybody's perspective and then come and, to... And here are the tools. And here are the tools. Yeah. Oftentimes I find with Carmen, by like the time we get to the tools, sometimes she's like focusing on something yeah. completely <laughs> different. Like, and I'm, not like, about I'm like, this is a profound conversation. And she's like, are we having ice cream for dessert? <laughs> um, okay, so I know that we, we have to end. Unfortunately, we could talk to you for like five million hours. We're going to ask you something called your favorite thing, um, which can be anything, a product, an app, a... The thing that's changing your life right now. The thing that you're into right now. By the way, I have that shirt in pink and I love it. Love it's really, it's like a lot. It's that like could fun. be your favorite thing. It's a, it's a nice like poofy sleeve. But it just, it's a little drama. Oh, it's like, a yeah. t-shirt with it's drama. Like a t-shirt, t-shirt but with just drama. like the ultimate mom. You go, it's, a mu- it's a good Monday one because you're just like come out and you're like I am I'm, the queen for yes. the week. <laughs> Actually, that's, we didn't talk about that. I, we we I know we are we are slowly but surely having to let you go at some point. But mom fashion, we didn't. You've like addressed the needs of kids all the world over with Rockets of Awesome, but you are someone who. As a mother, I'm always like, Duh, she's she looks very perfect. fashionable. She always looks really you good. I know it's a podcast, so but she always looks really good. <laughs> always. So unless you run into me on the weekend, nope, in nope. Seen you, seen you there. Still look good. I like. You there, I try to look really ugly because it's like a, nope. such a release, and she can't even do it. By the way, I've seen you at like eight o'clock in the morning at Mary's Marvelous, and oh you looked gosh. marvelous. So, so wait. So tell us, like, what what are three wardrobe staples that every mom should have, or like, what's something that or the outfit that you're wearing? constantly now or just something help us out I love fashion I know okay so I'm currently obsessed with Madewell jeans Mm -hmm. which I feel like I'm very late to the party on this Um, but I think they fit so 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 well so I think an amazing pair of jeans Um, I think a great heel whatever the height is like you're comfortable Mm -hmm. mine's like a mini heel these days Um, but probably like a neutral and like leopard could be a neutral. She's wearing leopard, leopard. mini heels Le- as I'm we speak. I'm so into leopard. I've totally got jumped onto that train. I've, I've yeah. always been there. Ladies, welcome to New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think a great jacket. So jacket. whether it's like a blazer or like a jacket, I think a jacket, like you you could wear a white t-shirt like I am today under it mm-hmm. and you just feel like put together. So that's my like, that's, that's my uniform. And definitely in your Rockets of Awesome box. We love the jackets. I remember 100%. being in Amaganza Square with you and Rafa's wearing his Rockets of Awesome jacket with Raphael embroidered onto it and your son was like, why does his have his name on it? Oh my God. <laughs> and you're he's like, still um, mad at me. Um, he's still mad. He asked like me about it last week. Wait, does Griffin not have an embroidered jacket? Not, no, my, what are the shoemakers? No, I, I mean, truly. <laughs> I literally just asked my team to do it last week for me because I was like, <laughs> it's getting get embarrassing. You better good font or something. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, wait, tell us your favorite thing. Oh God. Okay. My favorite thing. Oh God. I don't know. I like, I live in my high-waisted Lululemon leggings. Mm-hmm. Oh, best ones. The best ones ever. They're so good. I don't know. I'm obsessed with them. I'm trying to think what else. I'm I literally with. have about 50 pairs of them. You just open up my closet and it's like, no, black leggings and high rise pants for being a mom. I never understood them before having children. I'm going to invent something though. Maybe I won't. I, and maybe I'll take your advice and talk about it. Yes, talk should, about it. <laughs> well, I just, I want, you know, I, what I find with high-waist pants, because I have a, a bunch of pairs and I love them, but I want some more support at the, like, lower stomach region, because otherwise I find that it really cinches at your waist, but it allows the, like, it doesn't, it doesn't hold you in the way that uh, I want there. And so I almost want to put, like, spanks underneath the jean ooh, part, like just it. at that part. But I feel that's what yoga pants 
do because yes. it's a very like yeah. it's a substantial yes. band and but the carbon thirty eight ones too. It's a substantial it band. Looks like it. It, but yeah. That's what I yeah. mean. Why do why do why are jeans still with two inch waistbands? Why are they the last pair of pants to discover <laughs> that four inch waistbands are way more? Heard effective. it here first <laughs> on Mom Brain. Nobody steal Daphne's idea. Okay, this is recorded. We know the data. If you come jeans. up with it, we know that you're copying her. <laughs> but we still love you. <laughs> oh, Rachel, thank you so much. Thanks we love you so me, much. You'll come back and chat more this with us. This is so fun. It's mom brain. It's we mom go- brain. <laughs> we just hang out. Mom brain. <laughs> That was Rachel Blumenthal. And, you know, again, she's just so inspiring. She really has continued to reinvent, uh, I don't want to say reinvent herself, but really like go along the path. She loves coming up with new ideas. She sees it through and then she exits and then she goes on to her next venture. So it's going to be really fun to see what she does as uh, the next five and 10 years come. I think so. I think she's a very thoughtful person and she's been really thoughtful about each phase of her life and helping to create products that women and parents and families can really use um, and and feel good about using. And I agree with you. I'll be really curious to see what comes next. She's like the quintessential. She doesn't get stuck in something. Mm-mm. Now it's time for our favorite things. And now it's time for some of our favorite things. You guys love this and we love this. We get to share some of the things that are totally changing our lives this week uh, or, you know, that we've just found ourselves using over and over and over again with great results. So we are thrilled to get to share with you some of our favorites. Again, these are not sponsored. Nobody's telling us to tell you these. These are just things that we genuinely know and love in our own lives. Um, Mine this week is going off the beaten path a little bit. I think I usually tend towards the like beauty hair care um, uh, clothing category in my recommendations because those are the things where like when I find you know a, a headband or a I you know like a mascara or under eye concealer or whatever that that I love it totally changes my life so it pops into my head immediately but this week it's a little bit more simpler is that a word um, it's a I'm not simpler. so sure, but it doesn't matter. Oh my it's gosh, guys, it's good. It's guys, it's, it's so serious. I used to, I used to have command of the English language. Um, okay, so this week I want to talk to you about frozen fruit. Go with me. Frozen fruit, specifically frozen mangoes and frozen grapes. So I feel like during the week, especially, I really try to limit how much I eat um, of gluten and of refined sugar in particular, because I just there's so I get so addicted and I obviously cook for a living and I love food and I love to experiment and eat out and try new things and, and try new recipes. But I do feel like it's really easy for me to go overboard if I'm eating a lot of gluten or a lot of refined sugar. And my body really suffers as a result. My mood suffers. My energy suffers. Um, and it honestly goes against my, like, you know, my goal of being healthy eighty percent of the time. So that the twenty percent of the time that I go and enjoy everything in sight. I don't feel any level of guilt about that whatsoever. Um, so in an effort to really stick with that, but not you know torture myself unnecessarily, because sometimes you just want a palate cleanser. You want something at the end of the meal that um, that you know just just 
signifies the end and is a little bit sweeter. I have really fallen in love with frozen mango and frozen grapes. Both of them taste like ice cream. I cannot describe to you the textural change that happens when you freeze these two fruits. They're super creamy. They are really fun um, for, you know, they're they're cold, obviously. So if you're... Um, you know, if you're cooling down after a workout or you're, you know, and I live most of the time in Florida, so it's warm there. So it's something fun. But even when I was in New York, I would do this, too. And it, um, it's again, it's something that you keep it in the freezer. You have it for your smoothies if you need if you are making those in the morning. But I also just will pop them, at, you know, come whenever I need a little pick me up. And they're um, a really a really sweet, nice fix while being a completely natural form of sugar that comes intact with the whole rest of the fruit also. I'm not a big fan of juices necessarily because I feel like you can drink so much of them and not really get a lot of sensation out of them. And and they're a lot of the times, unless they're just pure vegetable juices, and even then, they're a really concentrated form of, of sugar, especially the fruit-based juices. And for me, I want to be able to enjoy it and have it last and be able to savor it and do it in a way that still lets me uh, do it healthfully. So this And chewing is a big part of that. A big part of satisfaction. It signals your brain that you're actually getting to eat something and enjoying something. I also remember studying I was pre-med and I remember studying the digestive system and I remember that so much of absorption starts in the mouth and Mm -hmm. the chewing process in the mouth and Mm -hmm. when we're just you know, I do love a juice here and there, but like when we're in, no for pleasure, juice right. is great, but for like nutrition, right, exactly. for me, it's not the exactly. It can't. It's not that it can't work because it does, and lots of people have you know have seen great results off juice. But for me personally, I still feel hungry. <laughs> I I don't feel like I've actually enjoyed a meal. Mm-hmm. I feel like as a periodic cleansing thing, if you're doing it's a just chore. vegetable, it's a, chore. it's a it can work and it's a chore at still even then. But this feels like pure pleasure to me. And again, I I'm, I promise you, I would not tell you this if it weren't true. It bizarrely tastes like sorbet or ice cream or, you know, something really indulgent, even though it's just a frozen grape or frozen mango. My stepdaughter sent me a picture yesterday, um, Ireland, who's 23. She sent me a picture there at the watching some like sporting game and it was of whipped frozen pineapple. Oh, yeah. She's like, it was looked Delicious. So she's going to bring me there next time I'm in L.A. They do this at the farmer's market near us and they do um, frozen pineapple and mango or frozen pineapple and strawberry. They do frozen banana. How do they do it? They just they have this special like centrifuge machine. That's really it's like a really powerful blender. (laughs) You can do it at home. If you have a really powerful blender at home, you can definitely do it. You might want to add a little bit of liquid, like maybe a splash of almond milk or even water. Coconut water probably works, too. But they um, they have this super powerful like cone shaped liquefier thing. And it it does. You would never know it's vegan. It looks like you soft never, serve. It looks like soft serve. And my kids love it. Like, if, that's another thing. I, I should tell you, I, I wouldn't give your kids whole frozen grapes because they can choke on them. But if you purify, if you liquefy it like that, kids love Or you can, in preparing, you can yeah. wash them and you can chop them in half yeah. or quarters yeah and and then when totally then it's true. already it's already set up chopping pieces. chopping a frozen grape is not fun and definitely Chop a hazard for chopping your finger off so do not Ooh, do that and not, well you know and banana same and banana do yeah, not freeze yeah, don't don't whole unpeeled yeah. bananas no, 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 bad, terrible yeah, that, idea. i've definitely done that before <laughs> <laughs> mine today so i don't know if any of you guys on my instagram have noticed that carmen is wearing a patch she has to, she, she doesn't have to. So basically, last year she was diagnosed with amblyopia, which is lazy eye, which means that one eye is working harder than the other. Mm-hmm. So in her glasses, one the the right 
eye has no prescription in it whatsoever. It's just glass. Like anybody could see through it. And then the left one is corrective. And it's important to catch this early on because as their brain is developing, their, you know, the signals from the eye to the brain are not uh, working as they should. And that her good eye is working harder than her other eye, which is basically meaning that it's not, you know, um, strengthening as much. So the the eye doctor said that we didn't have to do it, but um, but that we could if we wanted to be, you know, super aggressive about about this treatment because they say that she's not going to have to wear glasses forever, even though she's super, super into them right now. Um, (laughs) So for um, an hour in, in the morning and an hour of the night, we cover her good eye so that her lazy eye has to work harder and it's basically like going to the gym for her Mm -hmm. eye and you know at the beginning um the eye doctor gave her this patch that's almost like a gigantic band-aid um and they said it wasn't going to bother her but i can tell you it did bother her and it did leave a red mark and it does pull at her eyebrows when we take it off and she really really didn't enjoy it even though it was super cute and we had like all these different patterns and you can get this chart to put them on afterwards um so what i did was i found this patch on um online that i'm i don't know if i'm saying this right but it's I would never e w i n e v e r, um, and it's this little like slip that goes over the the eye that you want to patch, but it goes over her glasses, and it's really great. I mean, she has a couple pairs of glasses, so I actually just leave one of the pairs of glasses with the patch on, and then she just has to change the glasses rather than having this whole process of putting you know the putting on. the sticky thing on. And it really does a good job, so she can't peek around it because they try to peek. Oh. Um, it does a really good job of covering it, um, and it's been just such a better experience rather than you know figuring out the stickiness. Trying, I tried at one point putting like coconut oil under it, but then the patch falls off, and it's just really uncomfortable. And she just doesn't seem to to mind this. Um, for a whole pack of them, it's six dollars and ninety nine cents. So it's definitely very affordable, and um, and so it's been a really great problem solving thing. And you know what? I have to say that since she started patching, it's amazing to me how many kids are patching now. Um, and it's great. Like, I mean, I'm, I think this is something I probably grew up with. I need to use glasses to read. I don't often do it. And, you know, I'm kind of like peeking in one eye more than the other. But how many of us, if you close one eye and then you close the other eye, that we each have an eye that is stronger than the other. And it's amazing that now they're detecting this in kids younger and and being able to do something about it. So I love that. I'm mm-hmm. glad you found something that is more comfortable for her yes. and that's easier for you as a parent, too. And we should tell you guys that um, if you go to the description of each episode of the podcast, we've linked for every podcast episode, we've linked our favorite things. So you don't need to go and like try to spell them and search for them. You can literally just go and click on the link. Just scroll to the bottom of the description. And for that purpose, I will tell you that the brand of frozen mango that I love is from Whole Foods, their organic 365 brand I love. But any organic mango chunk I will find that's frozen. Um, and I just, as like someone who cooks and spends, spends a lot of time with food, I just want to give a shout out to frozen produce. It is such high quality. It's frozen and it's picked harvested frozen at the peak of freshness and with great flavor so it's also a great option just to have on hand if you are in a place where there's not a lot of fresh produce to have around frozen is the way to go um and then grapes whatever organic grapes you can find and freeze them yourself after you cut them if you're gonna after cut you them, cut them. <laughs> <laughs> no chopping up fingers that's it for now bye bye remember to subscribe rate review swipe up on instagram 
And are you guys um, following our at mom brain handle on Instagram? It's funny. It's got a lot of like mom humor going (laughs) and just like, you know, those moments where, where you feel like, oh, this is so my life. And it's, it's so perfect. It's so perfectly distilled in this one little funny meme. It's amazing Uh, how far a meme can go in terms of just like relaxing you in a moment. You're like, yes, I get it. I'm tired too. Cathartic release. Um, But yeah, we have a lot of fun there. And Alari and I will be um, doing some takeovers and answering some more of your questions because we get so many questions to our um, mombrain at gmail.com is it mombrainpod? mombrainpod at gmail.com email address and we want to be able to answer more of them so some of the sort of like quick questions you guys answer, ask us where we can answer in a slide or more we will start doing more of that on mombrain on Instagram so check us out there and uh, keep your questions coming we love hearing from you guys thanks so much for tuning in bye this is mombrain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz Mom Brain is a Gallery Media Group original production.